Thanks for listening to this OCRFM podcast. Head to ocrfm.org.au to find more great content and information about how to donate and support this community radio station. OCRFM wish to advise the following program may contain information and subjects that could be deemed controversial in nature. The aim of the show is to provide an opportunity for listeners to discuss issues in a non-confrontational, fact-based manner. Should you wish to join the conversation, please feel free to phone the station on 5232191. You're listening to From Paddocks to Pride on OCRFM with myself, Sarah. This segment aims to help provide a voice for the LGBTIQ plus community, or as I like to call it, the umbrella. Our aim is to ensure the community is supported and to reinforce that you should feel accepted as you are in the town you grew up in. While my views are not representative of the whole community, extensive research has been done to aim to be inclusive to everybody and spread awareness and progress people's viewpoints. News in our community. You're listening to From Paddocks to Pride on OCRFM with myself, Sarah. So something that keeps coming up on my Facebook page is information to do with the religious discrimination bill submissions. So what's happened is yesterday we had a rally up in Melbourne again, which was great to see everyone rallying behind that to try and put our point across that we don't want this bill to go through because we want to be able to live our lives without discrimination, especially because we are in a developed country. Like You'd think that we shouldn't go backwards a step. Like The marriage equality bill went through and was passed. Why should we go backwards a step with a discrimination bill going through? So there were a group from Geelong, that actually went up to Canberra to and have met with MPs to put their point across and really show them why it's important we don't let this bill through. It's really interesting as well that I've seen a lot more articles, because Facebook knows what you're into, um, and like reading, keeps coming up with information to do with my Facebook page keeps on coming up with articles of examples of people that have been in such as a position at school. So they've been a teacher at a religious school and have then been kicked out because of their sexuality. So perhaps they've gone to a pride march or perhaps the schools changed their contract and excluded um, people that are same-sex attracted or perhaps... Those are just some examples. So so it's really unfortunate that these sort of things are still occurring and the bill hasn't even been put through. <clears throat> so I can only imagine how worse things will get once they put it through. And I know a lot of people think, oh, but it doesn't affect me. But it's like, but it affects other people in your community. Because there are people out there that are religious and are same-sex attracted or perhaps transgender And it's not really, I guess, fair that people are trying to put this bill through. We'll be back after this. May I have your attention, please? May I have your attention, please? 
You're listening to From Paddocks to Pride on OCRFM with myself, Sarah, and guest presenter this week, Kaz, for the topic of sexual health as a part of our health series. So thank you for coming along. My pleasure, Sarah. Yep. So do you want to just give us a little bit of a background, so why we've got you in particular on the show tonight? Sure. So I am employed at the Youth Health Hub, which is part of Colac Area Health. My title is Community Health Nurse, uh, but a big part of my role is Sexual and Reproductive Health. I also have a colleague, Sandy, who works alongside me. Yeah, so I've just had a look, Google search, and I've got the definition of sexual health. So I've got down that sexual health is a state of physical, mental and social well-being in relation to sexuality. It requires a positive and respectful approach to sexuality and sexual relationships as well as the possibility of having pleasurable and safe sexual experiences free of coercion, discrimination or violence. Absolutely, that sounds pretty spot on. So if you think about that, sexual health really affects us all as adults, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. One thing that I wanted to touch on specifically was STIs. So do you want to maybe talk about why in particular that, that that it's important for us to talk about in relation to the LGBTIQ plus community. Sure. So STI stands for sexually transmitted infection. Um, I actually just want to correct before I said sexual health affects us all, particularly adults, but I absolutely want to acknowledge our young people. Obviously, I work yeah. at the Youth Health Hub, so we're all about youth. So LGBTIQA plus community um obviously are affected by sexual health or have sexual health needs, as do we all. Unfortunately, if we look at statistics, LGBTIQA plus community are underscreened. That, I guess, could be for numerous reasons, um, one of which at the Youth Health Hub we have been trying to work on very hard, and that's we don't want people to feel uncomfortable or not included at our environment so yeah we absolutely welcome everyone at the youth health hub yeah so do you think that some of the issues are that a lot of stis can be treated such as chlamydia and gonorrhea and sure so yes that that is correct in that some stis chlamydia and gonorrhea are bacterial so therefore they can be treated with an antibiotic. So I guess what you're um, sort of saying is that people might be a little bit casual about their sexual encounters because they think, oh, well, I'll just get tested and get treated. However, so specifically chlamydia is the most common STI for people under 30, but both chlamydia and gonorrhea can unfortunately uh, lead to infertility if left untreated. So Another part of that is that both of them, chlamydia and gonorrhea, um, you can be asymptomatic. So that means you can have both of these STIs and not show any signs or symptoms. So that can be a real trap. So yes, it's fine if, well, it's not really fine. But if you're someone who thinks I'll be go out and have casual sex and not use protection and I'll just go and get um, screened, all well and good if you actually go and get that screen. But as we know, um, a lot of young people perhaps aren't so proactive in getting screened. Yeah, and I guess the one thing with chlamydia is because it can be asymptomatic, so you're not necessarily going to get symptoms. No, that's correct. And that's very similar to gonorrhea. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
learning new stuff. As right. much as you try and um, research this sort of stuff, there's always going to be gaps that you learn. Yeah. Yeah. So I was actually quite surprised as well as how many people I know that didn't realise that women sleeping with women can actually get STIs. Yes. And Sarah, I suppose because I am a sexual health nurse, it's the area in which I work in, I am surprised that people would think that as well. Mm. So um, so I guess like your bacterial STI, so once again chlamydia and gonorrhea, they are transferred through bodily fluids. So it doesn't have to be penetrative sex to um, exchange body fluids. So if someone has chlamydia... Um, the mechanisms are qu- it's quite easy to transfer. So women who sex with who have sex with women are absolutely at risk of getting STIs. Yeah, and there's some that I guess we haven't mentioned, like there's herpes, there's syphilis, the different hepatitis. There's also pubic lice. Yes, there's another one I found which I haven't heard of before. It's a protozoan parasite, Trichomonas. Trichomonas? Yeah, what's yeah. that? It's not that common um, in Victoria, I must say. Oh, it's so it does exist? It, it, it absolutely okay. exists. Okay. <laughs> There's also, oh no, I mentioned those, intestinal parasites. There's some really interesting stuff that I've found. Well, actually, no, not interesting, kind of gross when you come to think about it. Yes. Which I guess also makes me really surprised that people don't get regularly tested or they don't take preventative measures. Sure. So um, prevention is absolutely better than cure, as we know. So currently, our best preventative measures are so condoms um, for males. We have dental dams, which are for any oral sex, for either sex. Uh, any sort of barrier method that will provide a, a barrier between um, the genitals, that's our best form of prevention. Mm. I was really surprised with dental dams as well because it's not something that just applies to women. Like you said, um, men can use it yep. for Oral acts. Yes, yes. absolutely. <laughs> and also, but what about heterosexual, uh, sorry, heterosexuals. Uh, yes, um, so people that, women that sleep with men. Yes. Like, they should be using it too, I guess. So, yes, absolutely. So, any so, any form of oral sex, you should be using a dental dam. So, if that's male on female, absolutely. Yeah. So, with that, though... I find them, it's really hard to buy them. So I know you can get them online. Yes. And I found them with um, Thorn Harbour Health. They have had them at um, various events where I've seen them. I've also seen that Brophy down in Warrnambool is now stocking them, like free ones that sure. you can grab. And Victorian needle syringe programs, I've been advised, also have free ones. Do you know anywhere in... Cola. You can get no, and, the, and you're bringing something to the fore, Sarah, that I can certainly take back uh, to the Youth Health Hub. So we don't provide them at the Youth Health Hub, unfortunately. We do provide condoms uh, and lubricant because, of course, with any condom use, we should also use lubricant. And even with the dental dam, if you're performing oral sex, it's good to have some lubricant on the skin side. Yeah. And... In saying that, could you use condoms? Could you, you make it? You could use condoms, Sarah. So you could cut a condom um, to make it uh, 
like flat, like a dental dam. Um, obviously, you know, it depends what you're cutting that condom with and that takes <laughs> a fair a bit of prep and forethought. Yeah. Um, if we're... If we find that people are struggling to use condoms and dental dams, but yes, you you can use a condom, and and you could use a condom, um, you know, for male oral yeah. sex. Yeah, mm. yeah, I, yeah, because looking at them, they can be a bit, I guess, costly in comparison yes. to condoms. So yes. I guess that's a good alternative. And yeah, I guess you could kind of get two out of one condom. <laughs> yes, well. <laughs> Shivers depends on the size of the condom, I guess. But yeah. if, if you're ingenious or industrious, I guess so. Yeah. And, yep, so you mentioned gloves as well. Okay, yeah. so gloves are recommended for anything digital. So, yes, and once again, lubricant would be a great idea to accompany that. Yep, do there have to be any certain sort of gloves or...? <laughs> If a person was had a latex allergy or something like that, but that's the same yeah. with condoms. If yeah. someone um, has a latex allergy, you can get um, latex-free mm-hmm. gloves and condoms. Yes. So obviously, when we're talking about gloves, we're not talking about gardening gloves or anything. No, like we're that. not. No, just that would be very not pleasant. Yeah. You can you can buy like the hospital type gloves at a pharmacy. Yeah. So those are all barrier methods. Yes. So, Kaz, would you be able to talk a little bit about PrEP and PEP? So they're obviously not barrier methods. These are tablets you take, is that correct? That's correct. So PrEP, that stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. So that's something that individuals can take if they think they may be at risk or being exposed to HIV. Whereas the post-exposure prophylaxis, PEP, um, is what you take if you think you have been put at risk. So, yeah, that's something important um, for people to know that's out there. Yeah, and these medications are very important because they have resulted in less same-sex attractive men um, obtaining HIV, which leads to AIDS. And in developed countries, we're very lucky because we're not having people die of AIDS. Absolutely. So it's been a... A massive step forward in the pharmaceutical or medical world um, to be able to provide that. So yes, and look, the diagnosis of um, HIV is sort of not what it was back mm. in the eighties. So um, treatment is is very good these days. Yeah, but I guess the unfortunate thing is that because AIDS was seen as like you the Grin Reaper ad and that sort of thing, I wasn't. I'm young, so I never actually saw that ad. Sure. But obviously I've seen it since doing this sort of research and stuff. And one of the issues that we find is that that means that less um, same-sex attracted men are actually using condoms. So then we're having higher incidences of other STIs. That's true. You you do raise a good point about you being young and not everyone remembering the Grim Reaper. Um and perhaps, you know, you bring up a good point, perhaps we need to go back to some big advertising that's on our televisions or radios that just highlight that these STIs are absolutely still out there. Yeah, so what's the benefit of getting an STI check? Like what happens if you don't treat? Sure. So um, I guess I just... It's, it's so simple. An STI screen is so simple. It would, um, you know, usually take 30 to 45 minutes at 
if you're presented to the Youth Health Hub, you can make an appointment or you can just drop in. We do a sexual health uh, screen, so that would ask you a few questions, ask you your sexual orientation, how many partners you have had uh, in the past 12 months. This would enable us to ascertain exactly what screen we'd need to do. So would we um, just do a urine screen for chlamydia and gonorrhea or would we go that step further and uh, take some blood or pathology for the blood-borne virus screen? So that is your hepatitis A, B and C, syphilis, HIV. Um, and your he- I've said your hep, heps, I think. Uh, so... I just want to just stress to listeners how simple it is and it's absolutely nothing to be embarrassed about. It's recommended at least annually to have an STI screen Um, but if you have more partners then you would need to screen more often. Um, And and also, yes, treatment is very easy if we know. We've We've got to test before we can treat though. Okay, so for, for your chlamydia and gonorrhea, we test. Yes, you're positive, then we treat with antibiotic. But it's also so, so important to turn up three months later to do a retest to see that the treatment has worked. Okay, so is it often that you can have the treatment but might not necessarily work? It, well, what we see is that um, people will have the test get the treatment but we don't see them again so it's a Mm. bit the data the statistics are a bit unsure yeah Yeah. um but there is you know an ever-increasing level of chlamydia in the community so we do wonder whether it is um that people don't re-screen yeah so how often should you get tested so um ideally annually um Absolutely annually for any young person that is having sexual intercourse. It just depends on your scenario. So if you are in a relationship that um, is long-term, both you and your partner are monogamous, so annually would be suffice. However, if you um, have sex with more than you know one person in a yearly time frame, which is pretty common with young people under 30... Um, you would screen more. And it, like I just said, it, it kind of depends. We ask, you know, a series of questions which would let us know what sort of screening we sh- would be good for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I should have been more specific. So like as in cervical screening and that okay, sort of thing. Okay, okay. Yeah. So we're on to cervical screening tests. So they are every five years now. If If you have a cervical screening test and that result comes back low risk, you don't need another one for five years. So that's brilliant news. The new screening program came out December 2017. We're now looking specifically for the human papillomavirus. So it's a a very common virus um, and it's been found to be the most common cause to abnormal uh, cell changes to the cells of our cervix. Great news is that uh, we now offer year seven males and females a vaccination it's called Gardasil 9 and it's against nine different strains of HPV we're really leading the way in HPV prevention in Australia which is just awesome so providing you've had um, immunization uh, young women don't need to get an ST CST test until age 25 hmm Okay. Please get an STI screen. You just don't need a CST. 
until 25. Okay, so why do they say 25 out of curiosity? Um, because ideally we we know that this HPV is slow growing, okay, and um, if you've had the Gardasil 9 immunisation, you're covered against nine strains of HPV. So, yeah, they've, they've come up that 25 is the age to commence. Of course, Sarah, if you had anything that you were concerned about, any spotting, any discharge, any anything like that, you would go and see um, either us nurses at the Youth Health Hub or GP. Yeah, always get anything that's concerning you checked out. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, we, you guys have different vaccines that you can get. So it's not just for HPV, is that correct? No. Other, there's other stuff that is out there. Yeah, yes. and, and I think, Sarah, I can confidently say vaccinations or immunisations are something that perhaps young people don't think, or all people don't think enough about. So what can they get immunised against? So yes, we have vaccines available at the Youth Health Hub against your hepatitis, um, your Gardasil, try Whatever is on the immunisation schedule, we absolutely have meningococcal. Um, yeah, and with regards to LGBTIQA plus community, there are extra immunisations that are provided by the government free of charge. Um, yeah, probably more specifically for men who have sex with men. But please, you know, come in and ask the questions and we'll provide the service happily. Fantastic. So we're just going to play a song now by salt and pepper it's called let's talk about sex so it's certainly (laughs) relevant very so we'll play that for you and we'll be back you're listening to from paddocks to pride on ocrfm with myself sarah and guest presenter this week kaz hey so we've talked all about sexual health and in particular stis because i think that it's something important to talk about do we want to perhaps move on to emotional health? Sure. A little bit. Would you be able to talk about what you do in your role in regards to that? Sure. So, Sarah, um, just as our sexual health is really important, obviously is our emotional health. And often if our sexual health is a bit out of whack, our emotional health is going to follow. Um So at the Youth Health Hub, we have a wonderful GP that comes down from Geelong every week. Her name's Robin Walker. We also have some counsellors, a big counselling team, actually. Uh, Harry and Hannah are our ones that come over for our youth team. We also have a psychologist. uh, So there's absolutely emotional health available there we have jigsaw which is uh they are a bar and health team and they work uh more specifically with um youth mental health uh probably obviously more for those that need more than counseling um yeah they're more for the diagnosis and things like that so um I just want to, if there is anyone listening that um, perhaps identify or is part of the LGBTIQA plus community that is struggling with perhaps their identity or their emotional health or anything um, that they feel like they just need someone to to talk to, please come into the Youth Health Hub. Um, we'll be 
ever so happy to help you out. You're able to uh, ring up and make an appointment or you can just uh, walk in and present our lovely admin, Kate. She's always there to greet you. So, yeah, they're the services. Yeah. Um, So I know on the show we've talked a little bit about GASP, which is a Geelong program, and... There's actually a program you can tell us a little bit about for our Colac Otway listeners. There is. So very exciting, Sarah. Some dynamic students come approach Scarlett, who is our youth engagement officer at Youth Health Hub, at the start of the year saying that they would love to start a LGBTIQA plus group. And we have done just that. So um, it, it's really thriving. It's uh, We get about from 8 to 12 um people weekly we meet meet at a um, local place in town and we share some food and listen to music and just talk about whatever comes up um, on the day we're looking at whether we do want to go down to gasp and um, meet some other groups and see what they get up to Um, there's been some lgbtiqa plus balls on around local and it just hasn't matched up with our um, time but we're looking at that so yes, if um, anyone would like to be a part of that group, it's, it is for school aged at this um, time. So we have 12 to 18 year olds and there is a real variety um, of ages within the group, but everyone gets on really well. So if you would um, like any more information on that, either pop into the Youth Health Hub or you can message us on our Facebook page or you can call us on 52325520. Fantastic. That sounds really good. Do you think that... So I think in the break you mentioned a little bit about how you'd have like someone come in, like a doctor, that sort of thing. But do you think most of it, they don't necessarily need a professional coming in? Is it just about them feeling like they belong, like meeting people like them? I think you're spot on, Sarah. So we we didn't really know what um, the group you know, would bring up or what what they wanted. So, yes, mm. we have in one of our sessions, I think it was about Group 3, Harry, one of the counsellors, came along and um, he just talked about what he could offer should anyone need it. Uh, but, yeah, it's kind of been just very much all the um, kids just wanting to get together and, like you say, be part of something, feel included. And, and it really, it's the, we're having fun. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, out of curiosity, is it possible that there are people going along that aren't actually out of the closet? So they're going along and they're just still figuring out themselves and they're not out in the open yet, I guess? I would say very much so. Yeah. Um, it it really is share what you want or as much as you want or as much as you don't want. And mm. we do have group rules and part of that is obviously being respectful of each other and... Um, perhaps what's said in group stays in group it's, it's yeah. by no means a therapy group when I say group it sounds a little bit that way but it's just a collective of people um, having fun but yeah Sarah there's definitely yeah members like that yeah that's fantastic because obviously when you're growing up you're trying to find yourself figure your, yourself out you're questioning a lot of things and it, it can be a hard time so knowing that there's people that are going through the same thing I guess is quite relieving. Yes. So, yeah, especially there's, I guess, a lot more um, 
media attention surrounding transgender yes. nowadays. So it, I guess growing up, um, I didn't even know what that word was. I'd never seen that. Like I, it wasn't something that was visible, whereas nowadays it is a lot more visible. Do you want to touch on transgender? Sure, sure. So um, I would totally agree that transgender is absolutely um, more out there or known about. A side part of our job, Sandy, my role is uh, doing some puberty education in senior primary. And we... um, speak about transgender because we're very mindful Mm. uh, that when you're talking about puberty and hormones it's very male female and we would hate to think that that there was a young person listening to us thinking well okay I've got the genitals of a female but that's not how I feel is this what's going to happen to me so yeah and I guess you'd have the issue as well with intersex people as well so they might not be Exactly the same as those diagrams you put up and that sort of thing. So Absolutely. you'd have those issues too. But but what we find is these young people, you know, they are they all know what transgender is. They're all speak about it openly. Um, also about LGBTIQA plus, they can tell us what mm. the acronym means. It's just um, yeah, it's it's. I think it's really progressing. So for for our transgender community, absolutely come along to our group. Um, I guess if there's any young person listening that might be struggling, please come and have a chat to someone at the Youth Health Hub. Um, There's lots of ears there that are willing to listen and help you, you know, work through whatever it is, you know, you're going through and that you just normalise things for you and, you know, it's all okay. It will be okay. Yeah. I guess one thing to, going back to STIs, for, I know people that are getting STI checks that are transgender, um, are there doctors that you can recommend that would be sensitive around the issue, I guess? Because obviously if you're having to go and get a cervical screening and you're a trans man, that might not be something that you're very comfortable with doing. Absolutely. Well, I would say so. So our doctor, Robin Walker, she is abs- she's very inclusive. Everyone um, is most welcome. She, you know, she works in the area. We all work in the area of youth because we have a passion behind it and obviously mm-hmm. in health and sexual reproductive health, and that's for all. Um, I actually provide the cervical screening test um, service and, you know, I would I would so welcome anyone to come in Um, and try and do everything that I could to make them feel comfortable because it's so important to have these screens done um, to prevent cancer, to pick it up early, you know, no matter what your gender is or identity, you know. It's health for all, really, so, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's a good way of going back to um, our song (laughs) that's coming up next. So it's by Bob Rivers, and it's Hello, I Love You, Let's Get Tested. So I hope you enjoy and we'll be back after this. You're listening to From Paddocks to Pride on OCRFM with myself, Sarah, and guest presenter this week, Kaz. So 
we're at the end of this show where we talk about events that are coming up. So something really exciting coming up is Frolic Festival. And now you're thinking, ah, that's why you guys played the What is Pride episode last week. That is indeed why we played it as a little segue because we've actually got a Frolic Festival interview lined up in the lead up to the event. I'm really looking forward to it. So it's being held between the 7th and the 13th of November. So get on and buy your tickets online. And that's a wrap for this week's From Paddocks to Pride on OCRFM. So thank you for coming on the show, Kaz. My pleasure, Sarah. It was great to have someone that could give us heaps of information but also promote a new program that's out there for the youth of Colac, which is fantastic. As always, we'll leave you with This Is Me by Kesha. Thanks for listening to this OCRFM podcast. Head to ocrfm.org.au to find more great content and information about how to donate and support this community radio station.